Welcome to Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Get expert advice on a variety of topics and hear what Ottawa business people have to offer. Ask questions, get answers. This is Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Good Saturday afternoon once again. Experts on call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Losing a loved one or friend is heart-wrenching, but beyond the grieving process, follow-up, including paperwork, often requires legal consultation. It's one of the most painful realities of life. And uh, this series of shows is helping shed some light on the follow-up process, items that most often need to be completed. Dave Watts with you this hour, and our conversation continues with Neil Milton from Milton's Estates Law. Good afternoon once again, Neil. Good afternoon, Dave. Neil, last month we looked at rights, entitlements, and issues concerning the passing of a common law spouse. This hour, we're going to look into dealing with banks, and there's a lot to unpack with this. So, Neil, as always, let's start with a quick overview of your services. Right. So, Dave, we provide services to everybody involved in the estate process, legal services, that is. So beneficiaries, estate trustees uh, and others, whether both from wills and but more significantly on the probate and the estate side. But one of the things that I do that is a little bit different for most lawyers is that I act frequently as the estate trustee. So I am the person on the spot managing these estates. So the thing we're going to talk about today is in a sense, near and dear to my heart. It's also up close and personal because I do this all the time and I'm dealing with all kinds of organizations as the estate trustee for beneficiaries all the time, whether it's uh, CRA or Canada Post or Rogers or Bell or whoever it is, you know, and selling houses. Uh, that's what I do a big chunk of my time. And so I'm pretty accustomed to how uh, quickly and how slowly things move. So I wanted to talk today about about the realities. And in particular, in the past, I've said, hey, you know, in, in sort of generalities, some aspects of this process are going to be a little bit slow and they're going to be a little bit annoying. And I realized, you know, I probably shouldn't beat around the bush. I should name some names and, and point some fingers and, and tell people what they really should expect in dealing with some of these organizations. Now, Neil, delays then have to be a big part of this. Let's get into that. <laughs> you know, Dave, that it probably the most frustrating part of the whole process is how long it takes. And and a huge part of the problem is that you, a lot of things can't be done until something else is already done. So they're done in series, in a, like on a string. And if one thing takes a long time, the whole process gets backed up. So, you know, let's talk about some of the basic processing times. You, loved one dies and you realize I need to get probate. So I need a court order appointing me as the estate trustee. Well, it's going to take a little while to get your act together, get your paperwork together, maybe hire a lawyer to help you with that process. Once it's filed with the court, it will take, you know, in somewhere between a month or two everywhere except Toronto. So in Ottawa, it'll take a little a month or so. It'll take a little longer in Pembroke, probably because the poor person in Pembroke's a little more overwhelmed. Uh, Brampton, Newmarket used to take six, eight months. They've fixed their process and it's now the same sort of one month to two month process in, in a lot of these places. The only really bad offender uh, is still the court in 
the city of Toronto. So Toronto, Scarborough, Etobicoke. So you literally, you file the thing and then you just sit around and wait. Um, of course, if you filed it properly, <laughs> I'm talking about the time frame. If you made a mistake, it gets sent back to you and with deficiencies that need to be addressed. That you don't go to the back of the queue, but it sure as heck doesn't speed the process up. And that's one of the reasons why it's so frustrating if you if you're dealing with an estate and don't get the filing done right the first time. Uh, it, it can. There are many that are quite straightforward and simple. If it's uh, there's a goodwill, uh, you're the spouse, everything is going to you. That might be quite quick. If there's no will. Uh, then the probate application is much more complicated. People make a lot more mistakes. The courts estimate that about 50% of filings are with a mistake. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, and, and when you think about the amount of time is money, and I don't just mean lawyer fees. I mean, especially now that interest rates have gone back up from zero, <laughs> you know, they've gone to something real. If you have a half million dollar house that you need to, that you're going to sell, you know, $500,000 at 5% is $25,000 a year in interest. So either the estate's paying that or the beneficiaries are losing that uh, $2,000 a month. So every time you make a mistake that delays things by two months, boom, or a month, there goes $2,000. So uh, I like to say to people, uh, that's probably as much more than you're going to pay us to assist you. So now you start to see why it it's cost the cost benefit of hiring someone who knows what they're doing versus unfortunately if you don't know what you're doing what you can get embroiled in now let's talk about the probate application process uh you know getting it right of course is is uh, is key but let's uh, touch on that and uh, utilities and the banks themselves yeah so one of the other aspects of what i uh, what i do is is often these estates have uh once you get the certificate of appointment, you need to start collecting the assets. And for many people, their number one asset is their house. So you have to start dealing with that. It's very difficult to deal with until you have the certificate of appointment. So this is precisely my point about everything is in a queue. As soon as you get it, you want to start probably cutting off certain uh, utilities, uh, Rogers, Bell. You know, you don't need a phone in an empty house. Um, but you probably don't want to cut off the heat uh, or the gas at this time. And, and then you need to get the, the property sold. So you need to get it uh, emptied if need be, uh, li staged, listed, and sold. And again, there you can really drag that out. That's one where people are often really bad about uh, cleaning out themselves uh, I get it. Sometimes there's some personal effects, but a lot of the time it just makes a lot of sense to hire professionals and get the place cleaned out, get it listed, get it sold as quickly as possible. Because remember, nobody actually closes a house sale the day after the, per the agreement's signed. So even there, you think there's going to be 30, 60, 90 days to closing. So before you actually get the funds, <laughs> there's going to be a, quite a period of time. In conversation this hour with Neil Milton from Milton's Estates Law, and we're chatting about banks and financial institutions in general around the process of finalizing the estate. We have more on the utilities discussion right after the break. And a reminder, you can contact Milton's Estates Law via the contact info on their website, ontario-probate.ca. Back in a moment with more experts on call on News Talk 580 CFRA. 
We'll return with more experts on call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Neil Milton from Milton's Estates Law is our guest this hour, and we're talking about dealing with banks and financial institutions. Neil, just before the break, we started into looking at closing and dealing with utilities generally. And during the break, you happened to mention that Canada Post has a good service. Dave, Canada Post has a great little system. It, it's it's a little frustrating the first time you use it, but after you've used it uh, more than once, it's great. So you open an account, you log in, you say you're the estate trustee uh, and whose mail you want to forward from what address, you pay your money, and you get a barcode. Then you take that barcode to any Canada Post with your own ID and with the certificate of appointment, and they validate that you have the authority to change the mail. So again, it's another one of these things that's in theories that you can't do it until you get the certificate of appointment. But once you've been appointed, boom, you can do it really quickly and it works really well. And you can validate your ID in any Canada post. It doesn't have to be in the same town as, you know, as mom lived, which is quite different from our, our banks. So, you know, let me tell you a story about being validated with Scotia. Um, an estate, small estate, I think, uh, and very small amount of, uh, or not very small, but sixty, seventy thousand dollars in uh, Scotia accounts. Uh, they hauled me, and I had to go into the bank to validate my identity. I had to go there, and so I eventually went. And you know, all banks are in some horrible strip mall somewhere. And I went in and validated my uh, identity, and they finally uh, gave me uh, the money. I think it probably took them about eight months. So that's a good indicator, eight months to get $60,000. And I do this professionally. But they needed to validate my identity. Well, <laughs> my wife and I happen to have our mortgage at Scotia. So, you know, you kind of wonder, okay, in what part of this process you lent us hundreds of thousands of dollars you didn't I validate my identity but now you need to uh so that I can be the estate trustee for someone else like it's it's really crazy and the service is terrible so this Gosha story has an ex an added little bit to it uh they sent me a customer satisfaction survey so I filled it in with zeros everywhere the whole thing was zeros and then it said you know, tell us uh, why you feel the way you do. And I said, I wouldn't recommend Scotia to my worst enemy. So I got a call from a very nice guy from from the, a vice president and said, you know, we understand you're unhappy. And this is a classic, uh, you know, discussion with a banker. Yes, 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 Mr. Milton, I'm sorry. Yes, I understand it. Six to eight months seems outrageously long. I get it. There's nothing I can do. And it's really fundamental to understanding how it's bad it's going to be dealing with a Canadian bank. That's a vice president saying to me, and in fact, probably saying, we would really like your business, Mr. Milton. But oh, by the way, there is nothing I can do to fix the terrible service we just gave you. And that's what people listening to the show need to know. It's going to take six to 10 to 12 months to collect on a bank account. Someone along the way will probably apologize and someone will say they can't help you. And it's really unfortunate because most of the people I deal with at banks are really nice, um, but they're incapable of solving the problem. And because all the banks have centralized their estate department in some place you can't go to, and you're not allowed to talk to them. And you have to deal through these poor people who just keep 
over and over hearing how terrible the service is. It's really unfortunate. Why are banks so slow to apologize? You know, I don't know, because one of the things, and look, I'm no expert either on banks or on marketing, but I've learned a couple of things about marketing in 30 years. And one of them is that the best marketing is good service. Like, just give good service. And the second component of that is when you make a mistake, apologize and fix it. Banks never do that. Let me give you another great little example. So my sister and I happen to have kids, uh, not together, and our parents set up an RESP for the benefit of our kids at BMO. Well, I wanted to get some money out of it, of the RESP, for one of my daughters. BMO had lost the paperwork. So they said to my sister, oh, well, we've lost the paperwork. You have to come in and sign new stuff. Not, not oh, we would like it if you know we could come and chase you. Here's the deal. My sister is, is a lawyer at a big, big firm. She has a much even more stressful, bigger practice than I do. You know, you think you, I may think I'm important. She's way more stressed and way more important in many respects than I am. They made her go into a branch and sign because they need a wet signature. That means signed in blue ink in front of someone, not a scan, not an e-signature. Look, in my business, if we made a screw up like that, we would run to you and we'd at least say, here, sign here and send it by courier. But we would send someone out to you. But did they apologize? No, not at all. And it was my money. What if we'd been estranged? You know, my sister would, could easily have said, I'm not doing anything for, for Neil or Neil's kids. And we would have been hooped all because of their fault. So it's really common. And that's another one of the things that people need to be really aware of. If you have tensions in your family, estrangement, I guarantee you the banks will make it worse. But they're not going to make it better by all the delay and all the ridiculous requests. Neil, what are some of the unnecessary requests that banks make? <laughs> so here, another unnecessary request. So my father just passed away. And uh, he he was a BMO customer probably for uh, 70 years. But all three of my, my my siblings and I are also all BMO customers. So, uh, we, and my father lived in Deep River, Ontario, which is in the north end of the Ottawa Valley. So we were there for his celebration of life. But my brother lives in Vancouver. We've flown in. We're together for 24 hours. We had to spend two hours sitting at the bank because they insisted that we attend simultaneously. My brother couldn't go to a bank in Vancouver. No, 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 that's not allowed. You have to go in together. The first thing out of their mouth, they wanted to see the original will. Well, you can't have the original will. I submitted that to the court to get a certificate of appointment. The second thing out of their mouth, we want the original certificate of appointment. Well, no, you don't. And I, because the, there's only one original certificate of appointment, and these days, the courts generate them electronically. So I'm not giving you an original. I'll give you a notarized copy. And then they ask for a death certificate, which always makes me laugh because I had it, thankfully. But it's like, okay, I have a court order saying that I'm the estate trustee for a dead person. But now you want the death certificate. What? Because you're going to validate whether the court order is correct? Like the idea that the banks are scrutinizing better than the courts is truly laughable. And there is, so they ask for all kinds of crazy things, especially originals. And people need to understand 
just because they ask for it doesn't mean they need it or that they're entitled to it. And yeah, it happens a lot, a lot. Now, why do they make it so difficult to access? I'm thinking, you know, decision makers, they hide and all that. Why do they make it so difficult? Well, I don't, I don't know, but I think they don't care. And I think what happened, quite frankly, uh, my, my, my father taught me a lesson, which is, you know, never assume a conspiracy when incompetence will suffice. And um, I have a suspicion that what happened is they centralized uh, all their estate uh, processing and then they underfunded it. And we, of course, have having uh, as the baby boom ages and we're having more and more people actually pass away as the provinces got bigger and bigger. And so they're grossly underfunded and they just don't care. They don't think that six to 10 months to give you access to a bank account is is wrong. And, uh, you know, I have this fantasy that someday that every C- bank CEO in Canada should be forced to administer their mum's estate uh, without any help. This system would change in a heartbeat because once they realized how terrible their service is, I wish I could tell you that there's one that's good. But the unfortunate reality is I've dealt with every major bank and they're all bad and they're they're all bad, maybe in their own different way, but they're all terrible right now. Now, what about banks um, and their attitude toward security? They seem to have a or would they have a cavalier attitude toward security? Well, I think they do. I mean, look, they're, but they have weird, they just have weird attitude towards security. So they, they are, they're obsessed about um, uh, original signatures, which no one else needs. I mean, just by way of example, the whole court process now uh, is dealt with electronically. I can appear in court, uh, Toronto, and then in Ottawa on the same day, because it's all virtual and it's all by electronic. But the court, the banks, no, 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 we need original signatures. Then they turn around and do things like they'll lock you, if they're more than one estate trustee, they'll lock you out of your the accounts and you cannot access the estate account electronically. They don't give you a choice. They don't say, do you guys agree? Is this okay? They just lock you out. So to give you an example, I mean, it's very common. You're paying the, the house expenses through your parents' account. Um, now suddenly all of those accounts uh, and all that, you know, you had to enter the 20 digits to get the Enbridge bill right or whatever. All that's gone. You, you have to do something else now. They want you to write checks. Now, what I did with my siblings and what I recommend my clients do is if you have the money, fund another account somewhere else that's not in the state account and use it. But I guarantee you they'll lock the estate account. And, and and they don't care about how unpleasant this is for you. This is all just about them. Experts on call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Neil Milton is our guest from Milton's Estates Law. Quick break. We'll be right back. We'll return with more experts on call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to experts on call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Good afternoon once again. If you're just joining us, our conversation continues with Neil Milton from Milton's Estates Law. Great advice along the way this hour. We're talking about financial institutions and your relationship with them in the process. Uh, Neil, I need to ask you, though, financial institutions per se, do they share advice or can they share advice or do they share advice? Well, no, they, they shouldn't, and they and they don't, and they're all pretty well versed in saying, oh, no, no, I'm not giving you especially legal advice. But then they ask for things or say things that amount 
often to quasi legal encouragement to people. And I really think it's unfortunate. They'll say like a very common one, because you're hearing me saying how horrible they are dealing, especially when they're multiple executors. And especially if there's someone from out of the province and they'll say, oh, well, it would be so much easier if you just renounced. Well, oh, just renounce is they'll say, oh, no, no, we're not giving legal advice, but they've just strongly encouraged you to fix this problem by renouncing. But that clearly has significant impact on your rights and on the administration of the estate. And so, you know, I, I was going to say, I don't mean to beat on banks. I do. They're truly, absolutely freaking god awful. That's the technical term. Sorry to use some legalese there on you, Dave, but they're absolutely abysmal. And they will encourage people to do things like renounce that have significant long-term legal consequences, all because their systems are terrible. Not because you know, there's a reason that my brother shouldn't be involved because he's from Vancouver, but literally sitting in front of me, they encouraged him to renounce. <laughs> I don't think that's a very good piece of advice. And they say that kind of thing to, to clients all the time. So what, that's actually a really good segue, though, into the piece of advice that I want to give everybody, whether you're an estate trustee or a beneficiary, what you need to understand is the banks are not your friend. They're not looking out for you. They're not in acting in your best interest. Now, that doesn't mean that they're your enemy, and it doesn't mean you need to be hostile to them. But in, in legal terms, they're a counterparty. They're the other side of a table in a business deal. They're looking out for themselves and nobody else. You know, the first rule of banking is don't lose money. And the second rule of banking is don't forget the first rule. Like nowhere in there did they mention, let's give good service. Because they don't care. And it's really important for people to remember because Canadians are prejudiced to think, oh, I've been loyal to this bank for 60 years. And the, the, the really nice person at the counter is giving me nice, good advice for free. The person across the counter probably is very nice, but they're not. And they may even be your friend, but the bank is not your friend and the bank is not looking out for you. And you need to be prepared for hearing crazy things from them. And everybody needs to be prepared for it taking a really, really long time to do basic things, eight to 10 months for them to recognize that you are indeed the estate trustee. So you have a court order, eight to 10 months for them to recognize a court order. Wow. Now, Neil, aren't there any guidelines that banks must follow through process like this for their clients, their customers? They're not. And, and you know, one of my big issues is that <clears throat> I keep thinking someone's going to have to start suing them. Uh, one of the ones that really drives me crazy is this in-person attendance thing, because that's actually, it's really unfair to the disabled. Let me, I, I was at my dad's in D River, TD, where I happen to do a lot of banking, told me uh, I had to go to TD in Petawawa. So I drove 30 minutes into Petawawa. I wanted to put money into a GIC. Oh, no, no, I had to buy, uh, schedule an appointment with a financial advisor. And they didn't have one in the branch when I was standing there. Well, look, there are a lot of people who are not able to travel 25, 30 miles, 30 miles minutes down the highway just to do some simple banking. And these issues are disability issues. They're huge issues, but they don't, oh, no, you've got to come into a branch on a snowy day in February just because we don't have a better system. 
Wow. This is amazing, Neil. Now, what about the CRA? How do they play into this whole thing? Yeah. So look, no one likes paying taxes and they are not exactly super good, but actually the role of banks in Canada is to make CRA look user-friendly. That is the role they play. They do quite a good job of it. So perfect example, almost every estate trustee needs a clearance certificate at the end. That's a certificate that says, yeah, you're good to go. You've paid all the taxes. We're not going to come after you. They publish on their website, a processing time. Their target time is 90 to 120 days. So I think it's too slow, but at least they publish a time. The banks don't. CRA, in applying for that, uh, you have to, um, you can upload now. They have a pretty good system. You can upload the documents and upload your request. So they have better technology than the banks. Trust me, if, if you're in banking and you hear CRA is better, faster, and gives and has better technology, I think you should reassess your life choices. But anyway, um, you know, CRA is clearly a slow part of this this process as well. And in addition to the clearance certificate, if you think about it, you'll back, you had to file the tax return for the deceased their last year of life. You wait for a notice of assessment. Then maybe you file one for the, the trust, the estate. You wait for a notice of assessment. Now, maybe you finally got yourself in a situation you can file this request for the clearance certificate. So a lot of time goes by where you filed tax returns, you're waiting for tax, uh, notices of assessment. And that last three to four months waiting for a clearance certificate can be very painful. It's one of the key reasons why I say to estate trustees, you've got to keep your little feet moving because you keep filing things and then waiting. If you drop the ball, Somebody else, it'll just take absolutely forever. So, what about locking access to funds? I, I know we kind of touched on this before, but what is a certificate of appointment? So, the certificate of appointment is the is the court order that says you're the estate trustee. You know, as we've touched on in the past, you have a, a, a will. The will says I want so and so to be my executor. Well, so and so may or may not actually go and get uh, the certificate of appointment from the court. Uh, once you get it, that's what gives you the authority to do things like uh, sell houses and access bank accounts and file tax returns. So it's a court order in the form of a certificate of appointment that gives someone the authority to to manage the estate. And just while I'm on my list of crazy things, you know, with a certificate of appointment these days, I probably sell a house or two a month as the vendor, as the estate trustee. I never uh, produce a wet signature. I never go into some lawyer's office or some uh, realtor's office. All that's electronic. But the banks, yeah, different story. <laughs> Are there complications if there was more than one executor? Yeah. So this complication that seems to be abs- it, it, it's it's in everything, but it's particularly annoying with the banks is that you they they require you to have everybody sign everything all the time, which wouldn't be so bad if they had they used DocuSign or something, but if it needs a wet signature, and while I'm on it, I should mention that, you know, I've had this problem with uh, CIBC Wood Gundy on, and, and these things happen on big estates as well as small estates, and it's, and it's unbelievably frustrating. And the crazy thing there is, like the Wood Gundy financial advisors are all very service oriented. I've had great uh, dealings with them, but their compliance people behind the scenes are crazy and they require literally a wet signature. So 
in the case of my family, that means we have to courier documents around the country, literally around in circles, um, to get everyone to sign the same stupid piece of paper. Because CIBC Wood Gundy has never heard that you could use DocuSign. I don't know. Hmm. So uh, they won't let you, you know, pay for mom's funeral practically without um, without the three signatures of the state trustees. So that's where the, we come back to this issue. They're always telling people, well, it would be easier if you renounce kind of thing. Well, it would be easier if you had a better system. But if there are more than one executor, every one of these things that requires personal appearance and agreement is is that much more painful. It's also one of the reasons, look, if you and your co-executor don't get along and aren't going to cooperate or one of you is just no good at, at honoring deadlines, you should seriously think about an option, an alternative. And it's one of the reasons I get hired a lot is that people say my my sibling just won't, you know, they, they don't like filing taxes, their own taxes, so they're not going to sign dad's tax return. That's not going to work if both of you have to sign it and months are going to go by. Because they say every time one of these things take, if it takes three months, if you wait three months, now it takes six months to do it. So, uh, so that just delays things again and again and again. The delays are uh, probably are the single most painful part of this process, both for the estate trustee and for the beneficiaries. <clears throat> the only thing that estate trustees, however, should can and should do better is communicate to the beneficiaries in a way that tries to address these delays so that beneficiaries don't get uh, freaked out about what, you know, it's been two years. Traditionally, people talk about the executor's year, as you've just heard from me these t deadlines, it's not possible to administer most estates in Ontario in a year anymore. Not right now because of these bad systems. Hmm. More to come on Newstalk 580 CFRI's Experts on Call. Neil Milton is our guest from Milton's Estates Law. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll return with more Experts on Call on Newstalk 580 CFRA. Now back to Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA with Neil Milton, our guest from Milton's Estates Law. Lots to talk about this hour. We've covered a lot of ground, Neil. One thing I did want to ask you, though, uh, requiring the named beneficiaries uh, to get the consent of an estate trustee, what are some of the differences in Quebec and Ontario, for example? Yeah, so this is just a small example of kind of crazy things that banks ask that some for that sometimes make no sense. And so in in Quebec, there is really no such thing as a designated beneficiary. So on a TFSA or a RIP or an RSP. Uh, in, in Ontario, obviously, they're hugely important and the money flows straight to the named beneficiary, doesn't go to the estate. Well, Desjardins and National Bank have a history of asking beneficiaries saying, oh, you've got to get the consent of the estate trustee before we'll pay you out the TFSA. And so I get these requests quite often. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, you know, they just don't know what they're doing. If I don't practice law in Quebec, I'm not sure that people should be administering uh, running banks that don't understand the law in Ontario. But, it, but for our, the purposes of people listening, the important thing is to remember, you will not infrequently get asked to do something that just actually makes no sense in law. They just don't know. And they're just really not very well organized and not very well trained. So just uh, sometimes you have to take a deep breath and uh, try to figure out a way around the problem. And that may include having someone like me just write a nice, uh, gentle, but firm letter that says, uh, actually, the estate trustee has no role 
to play in this case. Great conversation this hour, Neil, with uh, banks and financial institutions. Um, let's uh, provide maybe a tip or two for the listener. Planning ahead has to be number one at the top of the list when dealing with financial institutions. Yeah, it is. And it's part of this whole process of just understanding, look, it's going to be take a long time. It's going to be painful. And uh, you're going to have some enormous delays in the process. So as the state trustee, don't be the cause of more delay yourself, but be ready for this to take a long time and be ready for it to be incredibly frustrating. In terms of both as a beneficiary, don't always assume that the estate trustee is just incompetent. It may very well be that they're um, quite competent and things are just taking forever, not through any fault of their own. Uh, doing things like having funds set aside that you don't need to access as the estate trustee is really helpful. So having a backup plan for if I need to pay house expenses, I need to run some expenses after the death of the uh, the testator, the death of whoever, um, you know, maybe have a backup plan for where those funds are. Don't have them sitting in an estate account, have them sitting in a different account that you can access. There's a, um, you know, you need to be vigilant. As I said earlier, just remember the bank is a, and all these utilities, everyone, they're the other side of the table in a business deal. They're not your friends, they're not your enemies, but you have to have to work through and with and around them. And often the individuals are very nice, but the institutions are not so nice to deal with. Bottom line, Neil, I guess you have to plan to wait a long time when you're dealing with banks and financial institutions. Yeah, wait, plan for a long wait and be knowledgeable and be a little skeptical. If you get asked for something that doesn't make any sense, go get asked for help and find out, does that make any sense? Let's talk about the importance of protecting yourself. Uh, like, you know, why should trustees or executors be somewhat vigilant around this? Well, I, 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 part of this is just remembering that nobody in this process is acting as your 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 friend, uh, particularly. And so the executor needs to be vigilant about not uh, about getting this estate administered properly in a reasonable time. And they're on the hook for that. Uh, and beneficiaries need to be vigilant that a lot of us trustees just run out of gas and, and fall apart. I mean, heck, a lot of estate trustees themselves are not young and may even have health issues. And so it's not unheard of that an estate starts out getting administered and then they just go silent. And as a beneficiary, <laughs> you know, if three or four or five years have gone by, that's when you need to be hmm, a little bit assertive. doesn't mean that the person has... Being, is a thief, but it may very well mean that they're not capable of finishing the job. Wow. Now, what should be kept in mind with banks as a general rule of thumb? Maybe someone could, you know, take this uh, idea or this tip away and uh, tuck it away and, until it's needed. I come back to my uh, just over and over. They're, they're the other side of a business deal. Don't think they're your friend. Don't think that you'll get any benefits from loyalty. And remember, at the best of times, it's going to take a long, long time to deal with them. So uh, it may very well be, in my case at least, is some of the worst service I've ever had. And and you realize I'm dealing with courts, lawyers, CRA, and I say, mm, banks are the worst. Well, I can see where the potential for frustration is quite evident when dealing with financial institutions, and I suspect it's important to be forceful, but uh, there has to be some steps, I guess, to keep in mind when being forceful. 
Yeah, that's right. And it, look, you, it's very frustrating. And but and it's important to remember that you're trying to deal with an institution. So the in, there's no reason to be nasty to the individuals that you're dealing with. There's no reason to um, say swear at them and say inappropriate things. On the other hand, it is completely appropriate to first of all tell them that they're wrong when they are, uh, and to to tell them that the the organization has provided them with terrible service. You know, as I've said many times, including to BMO. You know, I'm a platinum level customer and this is the service I get. Boy, I'd hate to be, see what bad service looks like. And, you know, if nothing else, there's no reason when the, some account branch manager apologizes to you to say, yeah, you know, I'm really not impressed because the, the chances are that you're going to inherit a bunch of money and why you would leave it at an institution that just gave you terrible service. I don't know, but I wish I could tell people, here's a better one. Here's where to go. They're all bad. So, yeah. So, so it's not really um, the branch per se. It sounds to me like it could be a, you know, a bank corporate policy, the, just the way they do things. It, it's because their centralized estate processing departments are just overloaded and are uh, very, very slow. I think that's, I really think that's what it is. I think they think of the estates department as a cost center and no one's, with any uh, poll in the organization has realized what a marketing disaster they are and what an HR disaster. Can you imagine what it's like being the ban- a branch manager and apologizing and realizing, well, there goes $100,000 or a million dollars that would be nice to keep in the branch, but that person hates us. I mean, I think it must be terrible for their own HR, but I, I think it's that no one in the brand- banks, they spend millions of dollars telling us that you're richer than, you know, you're richer than you think. Well, haha, you're not richer than you think if your money's at Scotia. Let me tell you, <laughs> if you're expecting an inheritance. And it's not that comfortable. Dealing with TD estates is like sleeping on a bed of nails. It's not sitting in a green comfy chair that they might want to tell you. So, you know, every one of those slogans is basically false advertising when it comes to dealing with their estate department. But I don't think anyone there has ever noticed. And that's the problem. But so go in knowing it's going to be painful, but that doesn't mean be nasty and mean to the people across the counter because they're pro- they're trying their best and they're working in a difficult, difficult situation. But you need to be relentless and fo- and keep moving. And if you get asked for something that doesn't make sense, like, gee, give us the original will when you just filed it with the court, you need to tell them that. And if you need to hire a lawyer to tell them that, then that's what you need to do. Neil Milton from Milton's Estates Law. We're out of time. Thanks again, Neil. Great conversation. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Sorry about the rant. <laughs> no problem. The website you need to know, ontario-probate.ca. Dave Watts with you. Have a great afternoon. News is next on News Talk 580 CFRA.